Well, hello again, everyone. Thank you again for being here. Church is a lot more fun whenever people show up. So thanks for being here. Oh, man, I said to Frank, like, I wasn't really nervous, and then he gives me that kind of intro, and you guys are all making noise out here. Um, thank you for being so encouraging and welcoming. Um, you know, in the handful of places I've spoken, it's so nice to speak at home and feel welcomed. Um, you know, Jesus even, he said, like, the only place I'm not welcome is in my hometown, but it just feels... Love being with you guys. So awesome. Um, and I, uh, I actually hadn't seen that, that clip that Pastor recorded. Um, so I think Pastor James said last week that, hey, the normal speaker will be back next week. Psych. He's not. Uh, it's me. Uh, so if this is your second Sunday at Harvest, I almost promise that next week you will actually get to meet our fabulous pastor and his wife. Um, and, uh, and I hadn't seen that clip, and I actually wanted us to pray together right now. So they're out west. If you want to stretch your hands out, we're just going to pray, um, just like he asked us to. be praying through the next few days. But God, oh, we just thank you so much. Man, the blessing of having founding pastors with us after almost two decades. It's so unusual. We take it so for granted sometimes. The commitment and just the dedication and... Um, um, so it just resonates with some of what I'm going to talk about, some of the uncomfortable things that these two people have gone through to pour in their lives for what you're doing in Cornwall. And so, God, I wanted to just pray, God, that uh, I know Christina is speaking. She's sharing about how to partner with your city from her incredible experience with Heart of the Family. And, and I was just thinking, like, this church did that in a sense. And we're over there. We're impacting the rest of the nation and sharing the amazing things that God has done. And so, God, I just pray as she shares that it would just uh, be an impartation into other um, amazing churches across this nation, God, that we would touch our cities, God. And it it's, you know, like, sometimes it feels like, what significant things are we doing? Wow, that is so significant that we would have that opportunity to share. So bless her as she speaks. Bless both of them, God, as they just take in and receive. Let them be refreshed and just full to the brim with fresh vision for the next season. In Jesus' name, amen. And, and like you requested, please continue praying for them um, over the next couple of days. Yeah. Uh, so this morning, I want to um, kind of continue... Um, uh, talking about what Pastor James started last week. So if you missed it, I would really encourage you, uh, if you can find 30 minutes, go onto our YouTube or our Facebook. You can watch it. Um, and he just shared about influence and um, the, the God-given influence that we all have. Um, but he talked about some of the reasons that um, we kind of discount our influence or maybe we don't think that God can use us significantly. And um, how many of you found it inspiring? How many of you found it? Yeah. Um, and I find a message like that so inspiring. And I wanted to start by like, why is it that those are so, those types of messages are so inspiring? Like I, I, I felt leaving like, oh, I'm, I'm just so excited about um, what God can do in me. And I've, you know, I've realized that there's something in every human that wants to be a, a significant valued contributor to something significant that a group of people are doing. Um, they we're actually hardwired for that in some way. So you can kind of think about the opposite if you're having a hard time, you know, imagining that. Um, so let's think about being, you know, a huge contributor to something that's not significant. And the example for me <laughs> is the NHL All-Star Game. Um, which is hilarious. Uh, I, I got to go to one in Ottawa a few years ago, and, you know, you're all excited. All of the big players are going to be there, um, you know, and you just think, oh, it's going to be such a good game. It's not. 
It's, it's like, it's the most pointless game of the season because it doesn't matter. And so you have all these players that are top-notch, they're the best in the world at what they do, and it's comical to watch them. If you compare that game to any playoff game, the worst team in the playoffs, it's a completely different sport because these all-stars are just like, you know, they go to check each other and it's like, it's just funny to watch. So that's kind of an example, you know, of you can be a huge value, like all this incredible skill, but if you're not contributing to something significant, it doesn't matter. And then the converse is, um, you know, not being a part of something significant maybe that you see happening. Um, and so I was looking back at, you know, we call our, our volunteer team the dream team, and it's kind of after the, I think it is it the 1992, I should know this, Olympic basketball team, um, which was just this collaboration of like all the, the, like if you look at the roster, and if you know basketball, basketball better than I do, it's like some of the best players that have ever played basketball all on the same team. And I was looking and um, there's one player that only played four of the eight games in the Olympics because he was injured. And can you imagine sitting on the sidelines of this dream team, you know, like that people talk about decades after and being not able to contribute. Um, and side note, um, sometimes offense is like an injury to us and it takes us out of the significant thing that God wants to do with this incredible team. Um, so that's just a side note, a little something. Um, so my point is that when we have the privilege of giving what is uniquely our abilities to something significant, there's something, and I'm, I'm like, I haven't talked about the Bible or Christianity yet. My point is that we are designed as humans to crave that. So if you have a job where it feels like ah, nothing I do matters, as important as what your company is accomplishing is, you don't feel fulfilled. Or if you have a job where you're running it, but you're like, what's the point? It, you know, it doesn't matter. But we as Christ followers have this unbelievable privilege of being significant, unique contributors to what I believe is the most fulfilling, most amazing thing we can do with our lives, which is to, to see God's kingdom extended. And so a message like last week's, to me, it blows us away because it's like, I sense that there's something there that I was designed for. There's something there that, and, and maybe I, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I kind of left feeling inspired, but also challenged. Like, why is it that I feel like I'm not, I'm not quite there? Um, so I want to kind of talk about that, and, and I want to focus on something in particular that I think kind of um, enables us or unlocks us, like, and gives us the ability to step into um, this influence that I think God has for us. So I'm going to start, um, I want to read just a couple of passages. I'm going to start with Matthew 13, verse 44 to 46. And this is Jesus, and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and he sold all he had, everything he had, and bought that field. Another example, Jesus says again, the kingdom of heaven, it's like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away, he sold everything he had, and he bought it. Uh, another passage from 2 Samuel uh, 24, verse 24, and this is just following just a little bit of backstory. This is David, the guy that wrote a lot of the Psalms, and he's king at the time, uh, and he kind of messed up. <laughs> he made this huge mistake. Um, and it actually cost the lives of a lot of the Israelites. And so following, following this, he's, um, he's kind of like, 
you know, he's like repenting and, and he's looking for a place to alter, to offer sacrifices, which back in that day, you know, kind of think of it as like their worship service. Like he's looking for a place for a worship service. And, uh, and this guy offers to give him this location. But David replied to Arana, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God for offerings that cost me nothing. Uh, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, what you want to do in us, God, that you care about us so much, God. You love us. You welcome us. Uh, you accept us. And then you, you walk with us in growth, God. And, um, and um, I just feel like there's a hunger in this room, God, to see you do something fresh in us, to, to see us walk into um, new new destiny, God, um, new fulfillment of what you have for us, God. And so I just pray that you would blow on that hunger this morning, God, that as I share, that you would speak to hearts, speak to my heart, God, as a community, God, that we would go further into what you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. I had an example that I wrote down, and then I thought of a different one on the way here that was better, and I can't think of it. This, uh, <laughs> it's an example of discomfort, so like this is a good example right now. But just uh, bear with me for a moment. Oh, yeah, okay, got it. Thank you for your patience. Got it. Whew. So um, back when I was, I think I was like 18 or 19 at the time, um, I was in this internship program at a church just across the border in the States, and um, we did this tri trip to uh, New York City. It was a trip that that the church has done before to the New York School of Urban Ministry. Um, and you go down and they, like, they are a ministry that serves the city, um, you know, like soup kitchens and um, like prayer ministry just for people that, you know, are living on the streets a lot of times. And, um, and they also contribute to like services that are going on and help serve kids and different things like that. But one of the things that they had us do um, was get on a subway, wait till the doors, doors close, and then preach at people in New York City. Um, and so, I mean, you can probably picture it. And we're like, I feel like looking back, I was somewhat naive, and my personality is such that, like, I just do what I'm told, and, like, this is what we're doing, so I'm going to do it. And looking back, I'm like, that was so horrible. Like not, I mean, in the moment it was horrible for me, but looking back, I'm like, it was also not effective, I don't think, <laughs> at all. Um, so not something that I would recommend at all um, for many reasons. But I just, I remember like opening my mouth and like we weren't prepared. They would just say like, hey, it's your turn. We're getting on the subway. Um, wait till the doors close so nobody can get off once you start. Like, that's literally kind of what it is. Like, you have this captive audience that, like, your option is to listen to me or, or to continue listening to me. <laughs> that, those are your options. Um, it was probably long enough ago, too, that not everybody had AirPods in their ears, you know? Like, when the doors would close and, like, I had to come up with something to say. And you just, like, you say something and you, you share something. And it was terrifying. And I've actually, I don't remember why exactly, but somebody video recorded some of it and I, I like watched a second and I almost threw up. Like just watching myself talk. Oh. Um, yeah. So that is a story of incredible discomfort. 
And I share it because it's an interesting example where, um, you know, brutally uncomfortable, wouldn't recommend doing it, um, but it changed me. Um, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> blame it on the, the one month old, <laughs> my emotions. Um, and it, I think the reason is that, wow, I'll push through this, I guess. Whew, I should have practiced this part or not. I think the reason is that when we <laughs> step out into the unknown um, and just sometimes almost naively trust that God's going to do something, especially in the realm of discomfort, um, it's almost like even if, <laughs> even if we're unknowingly doing something ridiculous, like, like I personally think that is, God can't help but do something in us. <clears throat> and um, I can't quantify what he did in that moment, but there was like a trust that like that he's good and like he's with me and he can actually use me. And although I saw zero evidence of it in that moment, I think there was one time when like people started talking back and it was like, what do I do here? So this is not effective. But I just... It did something in my heart towards God. And what I want to talk about, um, I kind of titled this like message, Anti-Comfort Christianity. Um, Woohoo! My favorite message. <laughs> this is what I came to church, Anti-Comfort. Uh, this is like your first Sunday. I promise we're like generally way more encouraging, but <laughs> no. Um, I think this will be encouraging because I think what I opened with is true, that we're all longing for something. And, um, and you know, comfort and peace are not the same thing. This is something that I've learned, um, that you can be incredibly comfortable and very much not at peace. And you can be incredibly uncomfortable, but have this deep peace. Um, so, you know, I, many of you have probably heard this thing, like, no Jesus, no peace, N-O, Jesus, K-N-O-W, Jesus, or peace. No Jesus, no peace, and then like no Jesus, K N O W, K N O W peace. Like no Jesus, it's very clever. Um, uh, but sometimes, sometimes I think that on the surface that may misrepresent things. That's very true. Um, but peace and comfort are not necessarily synonyms, and I don't think that a close following of Jesus always leads us towards comfort. I think it does lead us towards peace. Like peace that passes understanding, peace that makes no sense whatsoever. But I don't think it leads always through comfort. Um, and in fact, I think, like with that example, I think significant things happen in our lives when we're uncomfortable. I mean, like change and discomfort are, I think, inseparable. And I mean that in two ways. One way is when you go through change, it's uncomfortable. And I also think that when you're uncomfortable, change is almost inevitable. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, our most significant influence comes out of being uncomfortable. I, I would almost, like, I think this is a big statement and, and maybe a bit challenging. I know I'm kind of, like, challenging. I feel like it's good cop, bad cop. Like, Pastor James Tripp is, like, good cop, and I'm, like, bad cop. But I mean, we have good intentions. Um, but I, I honestly think that the effectiveness of our faith is directly related to how uncomfortable we're willing to let it make us. I think that if we're not willing to be uncomfortable for our faith, 
then its ability to change us and to change the world around us is limited. Um, yeah, let's, let's see what's next. Um, I love this quote from C.S. Lewis from the Chronicles of Narnia. And just imagining God and, and, you know, every message is really about our understanding of God. And so some of you may be like listening to this and like, I thought God was a God of like comfort and he wants all these good things for us. And in a sense, that's true. But I love, so Chronicles of Narnia is really C.S. Lewis wrote this as a, an allegory for God. And um, so there's this exchange where Susan one of the characters is talking to Mr. Beaver, one of the other characters, about Aslan the lion, who is representative of God. And um, so Susan is saying, Aslan is a lion? Like she's learning this for the first time. The lion, the great lion? Oh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I'll feel nervous about meeting a lion. And then Mr. Beaver says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. He's the king, I tell you. And I, I love, and I think that's such an accurate representation of our understanding of God that like safety isn't, and comfort isn't necessarily first and foremost, but good, he's good. And he has deep peace for us when we're walking closely with him. So with all that in mind, um, I want to share <laughs> in some cases, some like sort of silly examples of like things you can do to be uncomfortable. <laughs> and I, like, it kind of, it may sound funny, but I honestly think, and there's these neurological studies that, um, that I've listened to, like, so, like, cold showers are becoming this thing, and it's, like, as cold as you can stand, showering as cold as you can possibly stand, and there's these studies that show that, like, your brain, it, like, activates parts of your brain that are only activated when you're in these, like, novel, uncomfortable circumstances, and um, so, like, that's honestly an example, and I say that, like, so your take home this morning is like, I'm going to start taking cold showers. If, if you are really struggling with the idea of like being uncomfortable for your faith, I would honestly suggest it and take a cold shower. And while you're in there, say, God, I want to be willing to be uncomfortable for you. Uh, it does something in our brain. And um, that example is interesting because um, when it comes to our lifelong journey with, with God um, and this whole discomfort thing, I think it does get easier, even though it doesn't necessarily get more comfortable. And what I mean by that is like speaking like I'm doing this morning has always been uncomfortable, but it's still easier for me to say yes now than it was the first time. So taking a cold shower is like a way of getting used to in your brain doing uncomfortable things. So when then when God is like, hey, you know, I put something on your heart, I want you to do I want you to go pray for that person. It's like, ugh, I don't want to do that. But you can actually train your brain to say, I'm going to push through this discomfort. And um, so like when Pastor Roy asks me to speak, I always want to say no. Um, and actually I heard that I'm his second choice this morning. So somebody else <laughs> did say no. Won't say who. So if this bombs... I'm just saying, like, I wasn't the first choice. I'm doing my best. I thought that was really funny when I found that out. Um, there's also good times to say no, so I don't want to pretend like that's the wrong decision. Um, but generally, I don't feel like I can. I don't feel like I have time. 
um, especially on a Sunday like today where we're not in a series. So I have to—I have no idea what I'm going to talk about when he asks me. Um, and so saying yes is like there's this void of what I'm going to talk about, and I got to find something, and I don't know if I'm going to find something, and I don't know if it's going to be the right thing. But I have discovered that saying yes, um, that God always gives something. Um, so my point being with the cold shower idea that we can normalize to discomfort even in our faith. We can not necessarily get more comfortable, but we can get used to being uncomfortable, if that makes any sense. So cold showers, number one takeaway. If you're taking notes, the strangest notes you've ever taken. Um, okay, another example, another idea is that just how you approach worship. And by that, I mean on Sunday mornings when we gather together and we sing songs. Um, worship is more than that, but that is definitely worship. Um, I want to challenge you to, to find a way to make it uncomfortable. And I love that story of David because, um, you know, here's a guy who's the king. He's being offered this free place. Uh, and he refuses not to pay for it. And I think he understood something. He knew that it should cost him something. Worship should cost us something. Um, and so this can mean lifting your hands when that's uncomfortable. It can mean singing if that's uncomfortable. It can mean just standing up. Like, it doesn't have to be anything in particular. It means whatever it is that you're comfortable with in worship, just go, like, just beyond that. Um, the, there's so many moments in my life where <clears throat> I did that in worship and it was like, <laughs> I had this picture while I was talking this through of like, it's almost like I was sitting down, not physically, but spiritually. And when I stepped out in worship, it's like I stood up and I could see God in a different way. It's almost like he was obscured in my comfort. And as soon as I stepped into discomfort, it's like, ah, oh, there he is. Like, oh, like in a, in a way that I can't describe. Um, we're actually, we're going to like do a song in a minute and, you know, we generally do a song at the end of the service, but I'm going to actually challenge you to, to do something like physically different. Um, so one option, we don't like, we're not in the habit of doing this, but I'm going to invite, like, if you want to come to the front, which is like, you know, we don't generally do this. You know, if you've been around church a while, we do these altar calls and, and, um, for me, the whole idea of an altar call is, is a response, is a totally uncomfortable way of physically stepping into and saying, I want this. Um, and so that, like, you're going to have that opportunity in a minute. You can start worrying about it now if you want to. <laughs> you can start, you can start um, rationalizing why you're not going to. You have so many reasons not to. Um, you don't have to, um, but I just want to, like, that's an opportunity. But every, every weekend we have that. And um, I've probably been in somewhere around two, like 2,000 plus church services in my life, probably about half of them I've played drums for. So it's very easy for me to just get through worship. Um, like, and don't tell Pastor Roy, but I've had services where I get to the end and I'm like, whoa, I was kind of tuned out. Like I made it through, but which is not good. And so I actually just said to Frank as we were going out, I'm like, sometimes if I'm playing drums, I'll just like play something that, you know, I played that song 20 times before, I'll just do something different and it's like, ugh, like it's uncomfortable. Sometimes I mess it up. And, but it just gets my mind to this, like, okay, why am I doing this? I'm worshiping the King of Kings um, and I'm willing to be a little uncomfortable in that scenario. All right, more examples. Um, fasting <laughs> is uncomfortable. 
And if it's something that, uh, that you haven't done in a long time, if you're familiar with that idea, man, it's... <laughs> Britt used to say, she's like, oh, I'm so bad at fasting, I get so hungry. And I was like, I think that's kind of the point. And so fasting's funny that way, because it's almost like when she said that, it's like, yeah, we have this idea of like monks that fast and like don't feel it or something. Like, I don't know. No, the point is that they're craving the discomfort more than the food. So like fasting and denying yourself food is very uncomfortable. And I would, I would honestly say like, I remember um, I was so blessed to be a, a part of a family where growing up this was something, but I remember fasting like when I was young. And so I would skip a meal um, like with our family, we would generally eat together and I would go in my room and like kind of do devotions or like spend some time with God instead of. And if you can do that, I mean, that's amazing. Um, but I honestly think that just skipping the meal and nothing else and just being aware of your hunger, it's uncomfortable. Um, and it reminds you in that moment, like, God, I'm doing this. I want to be willing to be uncomfortable for my faith. So fasting, it's a fun one. Um, inviting someone to church, that's incredibly uncomfortable. That's an option. Um, journaling is something that I think is a really great habit. Um, I don't journal very regularly, not as much as I would like to, but I use an app on my phone. It's called Day One, and what's really cool about it is um, uh, it also gives you, like, today, last year, the year before, for how long you've been journaling for. So it's really cool sometimes to see, like, oh, man, as you're going through, like, where was I two years ago, three years ago? What was I feeling? And so for one thing, it, it can actually give a really cool perspective on how you've grown in ways that, like, so it's me looking back, I'm like, wow, like, I was struggling with that? Wow, I didn't even remember what God has done in that area. Um, but the other thing is that um, in journaling, I guess I would say, like, not just here's what I did today, but, like, here's what I'm processing right now. Here's what I'm struggling with right now. Um, it's very uncomfortable to write those things down. Um, and uh, oftentimes, I think God speaks to us when we do that, that, like, as we're writing, as we're, processing as we're being sometimes just willing to be aware of what we're struggling with. Like sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want to think about it. Don't want to think about it. And journaling like forces you to put it in front of you. It gives an opportunity for God to do something. So journaling, um, in, in the process of journaling, um, evaluating like your routines and like evaluating what you're giving your yeses to. Like where are you spending your energy? Where are you... Um, spending your time? What is your schedule like? Like, so journaling in the sense of like reflection, um, super uncomfortable sometimes, but so, so healthy. And God can speak to us in those moments. Um, generosity is another example, um, which to me just means giving when you don't want to. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I was thinking like, I know this is really intense this morning. It's kind of a shotgun message, which I mean, like, whatever hits you, that's the thing that maybe you should consider thinking about. There's, like, so much here. So I don't want it to feel, like, overwhelmingly heavy. This isn't a checklist of eight things that you need to do this week. If one of these, you feel like, oh, there's, wow, I never thought that one resonated with me. Consider it. Um, so generosity, um, and just a challenge, like, if you, if you bought a coffee th this week, you can be generous. Um, it doesn't have to be a lot, like, um, I've, I've sometimes thought in my attempts to crave my coffee habits, like, 
you know what, if I don't spend this money, I could save it or I could give it or I could do something. Uh, so it can be an interesting challenge to just like, don't buy a coffee one day and give the couple of bucks somehow. Um, go through the drive-thru, don't buy anything and $2 for the person behind you, whatever it is that is uncomfortable in some way to be generous. It's such a great opportunity. You want another really good one? Yeah, sure. Since you're so excited about all these ways to be uncomfortable. Man, small group is so uncomfortable. And I, I feel like the number one excuse is like, oh, I'm not comfortable in a group setting. Man, the people that are comfortable, <laughs> they're too comfortable in groups. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but my point being that you're not alone feeling uncomfortable in group settings. That's kind of part of the point. <laughs> I was like, there's kind of a fine line here. Like, of course, our small group leaders are doing everything to make you feel at home and comfortable. But the point isn't to talk about everything that's comfortable. The point is to talk about the stuff that's like uncomfortable, that challenges us, that changes us. And so being uncomfortable in a group setting, like we've you know, been a part of overseeing and leading groups and stuff. And like I've said multiple times to lots of people, almost every small group night, we, want, we don't want it to happen. <laughs> we want it to get canceled somehow or like we, because it's very uncomfortable, but it's getting easier to say yes because of the things that God's done in them. And like, again, it's, sometimes it's hard to quantify, but in that discomfort, God has done something in me and I've seen him do something in other people. Um, so Pastor, I mentioned, but like our small group leaders are gonna be standing over there, go meet them, um, just say hi. And honestly, I would say like, if you, if this is overwhelming to you, the idea of being in a small group, but you kind of want to, just tell them that. Say like, hey, like honestly, I'm scared to death that I'm gonna have to say something. And they they will respect that. Like they're, they're not intentionally going to, to like ha cause you to have a panic attack. They will draw on you and they'll, they'll encourage you, um, but just tell them, just say like, hey, honestly, I would not join a group, but if you, prom if you promise me that, that, I'm, that you're not going to force me to do something, um, yeah, we can do that. Just come, be in the group. I mean, I, we've had small groups where we have people that will say almost nothing the, the whole semester, but that's just, that's where they're at. That's fine, and I'm not judging them. I'm not thinking little of them. I'm thinking, man, I wonder what they went through to be here every night. And, and we've also, you know, we've seen people that, you know, started off kind of that way and then like flourish. And like, it's almost like this switch that in their willingness to say like, all right, I'm going to give this a shot um, just to see what God could do in them. Thank you guys for being a part of this challenging message this morning. <laughs> Brought to you by discomfort. Um, yeah. I just want to close by... I don't know why I, this was just on my heart, um, the Beatitudes, which we're all very familiar with. Um, but it's just amazing to hear what Jesus promised to those that followed him. Um, you can all stand up. We're going to sing, like I said in a minute, this is that time, this is that moment, you get to decide. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, so Matthew 5, um, kind of verse 1 to 12, but... I want to read verse one and two in the message because there's this interesting detail that's highlighted. And it says, when Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he decided to climb a hillside. And those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, they climbed with them. They were like, 
It was almost like Jesus, he's got the multitudes, right? He's got so many people, but he wanted to see who was going to go a step further, who was going to be uncomfortable. They climbed with him, and arriving at a quiet place, he sat down. So I had never known this. You know, I thought that he was talking to everyone when he shared the Beatitudes, but he wasn't. He was talking to the ones that climbed with him. And this is what he said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the, are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, the honest, they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of their righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you even when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For the same way they persecuted the prophets who went before you. Let's see. just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment, and I never want to leave. Oh, I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, And I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I just sang another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. And I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. And I never Jesus, you don't know. 
nothing else will do I just want you And nothing else And nothing else Nothing else will do I just want you And nothing else Oh, nothing else Cause nothing else will do I just, I just want you And nothing else Oh, nothing else Cause nothing else will do I, I just want you And nothing else Oh, nothing else Nothing else Jesus, I just want you and nothing else. Oh, nothing else, cause nothing else will do. I'm caught up in your presence. Oh, I just want to sit here at your caught up in this holy moment and I never want to leave oh, oh I'm not here for blessings Jesus you don't Thank you so much for your presence, God. I just sense you here. Thank you smile when we are willing to take a step. And God, I, I just feel so strongly that um, you're bringing us into something fresh this fall. And God, I, I pray that you would help us not to miss it. Help us um, to just be so willing to do whatever it is, God, to to give our lives for this one thing, God, to to follow you with everything we have, God. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, I want to encourage you, um, those of you that are feeling this resonating, um, I always think if something resonated, write it down or tell someone or plan something this, this week that you're going to do. One, like one thing, one thing to take home and feel like this is going to shifts my brain outside of my routines and into something fresh. Doesn't have to be something huge, just something that resonated. Um, I just, I also just wanted to, like if, if you're feeling like you need prayer or you want to agree with something, you, don't, you want to tell someone but you're not sure who, we've got these small group leaders over here and they would love to chat, pray with you. Um, if, if you, and I genuinely mean this, if you want to tell someone like, hey, I, I want to step into this, but you genuinely feel like, I don't know, I don't have someone that I can tell, tell a small group leader, join their group, be a part of it. It will be uncomfortable, uh, but it will be good. Um, 
Yeah, thank you guys. I just even you coming forward and um, it's just so um, like such a blessing to me to feel like this is a church that wants to go somewhere. <laughs> We're not just showing up Sunday after Sunday. And uh, if this was that church, I would, I would be looking for something else. But this is a church. We want to do something with this. So thank you. And um, just be blessed this week. And we'll see you next week. Uncomfortable, but changed. Let's do it. Have a good week.